Okay. Good morning. Again. Okay. You might have noticed that the sanctuary looks and smells a little bit different today. No? Nobody noticed? Okay. Um, We have this great big giant table up here at the front, and it's all set with baking things. And if, depending on where you're sitting, the smell might either be bread that's baking in the ovens or dough that's rising from this bowl. Um, That is intentional. We're halfway through our series called Kingdom Stories, and we're looking at the parables or the stories that are in Matthew chapter 13. And today we're going to look at a very short and a very simple story but we're going to get our hands dirty while we do it. Are you ready? Okay. Um, I know nobody's sure about that. What does that mean? What is she going to do? It's okay. I'm really nice. Um, Let me read the parable for you. It goes like this. He told them another parable. That's Jesus. He's been telling some parables. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. Okay, how many of you have made bread before? Oh, a lot. Well, I shouldn't be surprised. It's crusted. But like, how many of you think, okay, but I'm like an expert bread maker. I make bread all the time. Oh, a couple. Okay, a couple. All right, Val. And whose hand was back here? Jessica. Is it? It's not Jessica. It's Aaron. Aaron. Okay, that's great. Aaron, do you want to come up here? Come on up here. But okay, now here's the thing. There's two errands, one right behind each other. Which Aaron is she pointing to? I don't know. Aaron Aaron Ewing, would you like to he's never gonna come back to church if I make him do this. Would you like to come up here? And Val, would you like to come up too? This is so nice. Okay. Oh, it's so nice. I know. I'm really sorry. Yeah, well hand sanitize it up. That's right, perfect. Good. And then these two are going to come up. Now, here's the thing. I have this bowl of dough in the middle, and what needs to happen, it has already risen. It just needs to get separated into two and then kneaded down and put into these two. Well, you have to grease these pans and then put it in two pans. Is that okay? Can you guys do that? Uh, Mine are in the oven, (laughs) my friend. Mine are already in the oven, and I appreciate that comment. (laughs) So... There's, there's more than two because you didn't get the hard part. So you guys, there's flour here if you need it. You can separate that dough into two, knead it into the right shape, and put it in those pans. I just want two. It, it'll fit into all the dough will just collapse once you start touching it. All right. Here they go. And I'm just going to continue on with the sermon while you're, while you're working. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. Now, if you have been following the series so far, you should feel like this story. (laughs) So funny. Okay. Um, This story should feel quite different than the other stories, right? Because the very first week we talked about the parable of the sower where a farmer scatters seed out, and it lands on all different kinds of soil. And then the second week, we heard the parable of the wheat and the weeds, where again, a farmer, a wise farmer, decides 
to let the wheat and the weeds grow up together all the way till the harvest, and then he's going to separate them out then. And then last week, we heard the parable of the mustard seed, where, again, a farmer takes a wild mustard seed, which we compared to a very invasive weed like a dandelion, and he plants it in his garden. That is lovely. Well done. Okay. That was really good. I know, they were sort of dramatic there at the end, right? A little flourish with the flower. I like that a lot. Tanya, in about, in about five minutes, could you take those back to the kitchen and put them in the oven? Okay, great. Okay. Well, this week, it's different because three times in a row, Matthew tells us stories about farmers and their crops. Very familiar topics to us and certainly familiar to the original listeners. And now, out of nowhere this morning, the story is about a kitchen and a woman. When I was growing up, my grandparents lived on a farm, and I would go there every summer. And they had, they had 100 acres, but um, they rented it out mostly. But they did have this huge kitchen garden that was probably like half the size of the sanctuary. It was a very big garden, and my grandpa was always out there. you know. And they grew everything. They grew carrots and corn and potatoes and sweet potatoes and cabbage and lettuce and beans and peas and beets and radishes. Like, I don't even know. All the kinds of squash. I don't know what all was in there. But that was my grandpa's realm. He was always out there weeding. He loved to be in the garden, hoeing the garden by hand. wasn't big enough for any equipment, so it was just him doing it. And he'd, anytime anybody pulled in, like came, started coming down the lane to the farm, grandpa would go down to the basement, find a box and head out to the garden, just start filling the box with all kinds of produce. You never left their house that your car wasn't full of produce. That's where he liked to be. The kitchen, on the other hand, I mean, he's a good cook now, (laughs) you know, because he has to be. But he didn't, I don't think I ever saw him make anything that wasn't a sandwich when I was growing up. The kitchen, that was not his realm. And you might, this might not surprise you, but I was a feminist from a very early age. And, um, And he knew that. Like, my grandpa Leon, I don't know if he was a feminist, but I know that he was a tease. And so what would happen at Grandma's house is that after supper was done, Grandma would say, Leon, could you do the dishes? And my grandpa would look to make sure I was paying attention. And then he would say, ugh, dishes, that's women's work. Dana, you do the dishes. Okay, well, seven-year-old Dana could fight, and I did. I took that bait every single time, three times a day for weeks every summer of my entire life. Grandpa would say that, and we would have an enormous fight about whether there was any such thing as women's work that men couldn't do. Um, yeah, that's, that's great. So, I, you know, he does the dishes sometimes now, and I tease him about that. But what we know for sure is that in the culture that Jesus lived and worked in, there was absolutely women's work, right? There was absolutely, definitely men's work and women's work. And anything that happened in the kitchen, everything food-related, that was without a doubt women's work. It's so striking then that Jesus would choose this kind of metaphor 
for the kingdom of heaven. To choose to talk about it in relation to something that every woman in the crowd would know so intimately. The yeast and the bread dough. Speaking of which, we need some new volunteers. Who has never made bread before? And nobody wants to put their hand up. <laughs> Jessica just pointed to the other Aaron. <laughs> Who, who's not ever tried making bread? Nobody, everybody's made bread. Not everybody raised their hand last time. Hunter, have you never, would you like to make bread? Who would like to make bread? I have room for four people up here, and I want some people to come and make some bread with me. Here's what I think. Okay, the other Aaron, he's going to come. Okay, come on up, Aaron. Choose somebody to be your partner on your way. Who else wants to make bread? (laughs) His delightfully lovely wife. Okay, perfect. That's a good choice of partner, I think. Who else wants to make bread? I got one more bowl. Hunter, do you want to come and make bread? Okay, you choose a partner with you on your way up. Who's going to come and help? (laughs) I know not everybody can see the eyes where the people around these people say, don't pick me. (laughs) Okay, come on up. It's super easy. I I love that you're doing this. Oh, I don't know. Ethan probably can't do it because he has to make sure I sound good. (laughs) Oh, he can. Oh, that's nice. Okay. Here we go. What you're going to do is, there's a recipe card right here. Oh, yeah, you're going to hand sanitize. We like our bread with the delightful aftertaste of sanitization. And um, so the recipe card is here, and all the stuff that you need is is in front of you. Um, These little containers are labeled. One is sugar and one is salt, so you don't want to mix those up. Uh, But everything you need is here. There's some measuring cups you got spoons, so what you're going to do is just follow that recipe, make us some bread while I'm talking. All right, I believe in you. Good. Here we go. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. When I think about this parable, as I've been thinking about this parable, I try to ask myself some questions. Here are the questions, the things I want to know about this parable. First of all, what is yeast exactly? And what does it do? (laughs) And why am I so short that you can't see me in front of the (laughs) demonstration? Here we go. I'll come over here. What what were the historical or the biblical meanings and significance of yeast? Did it mean something that I might not think of today? How much is three measures of flour? What does that mean? What does leavened mean? What does it mean for something to be leavened? And then finally, what does the whole of this story mean? Okay. We're going to try to answer some of those questions. So the first first one is, what is yeast and what does it do? Well, yeast is the stuff that makes the bread rise. Right? And we kind of know that. They're making bread here, and as they're doing it, they're stirring together flour and sugar and salt and water and yeast. And it's going to look like, I mean, this is fun for them. You probably won't be able to see it too much. It's going to start to look like a slimy mess in the bowl. That's, I think, the technical term for the stage in the middle of baking bread. Slimy mess. And then it gets drier as you add the flour. 
And as you leave it sitting here for about 30 minutes, which is part of the recipe, it starts to rise up. It'll start to grow. And it turns into something like we had at the beginning. If you leave it long enough, and I've done this, it will rise up and spill out of the bowl and run all over the table onto the floor. It just unendingly grows. Yeast does that in the most delightfully disgusting way. Okay, I don't know, all the kids are gone maybe, but the kids are going to love this, and kids at heart. Yeast is a single-cell fungus. (laughs) So exciting. And what it eats is sugar. So it's a little fungus, and it eats sugar. And while it's eating, it converts the sugar into carbon dioxide and alcohol. Here's a little demonstration for you. Enjoy this. That's the sugar right there. That's the yeast. (gasps) Okay, wait, wait. (laughs) okay oh i just love it it's so funny okay i don't know why there's no sound it would be better if there were sound so it isn't that funny literally what it does is eat the sugar and digest it and then it sort of sits there waiting and it lets out gas it's so funny oh my gosh i love that and what's so that's what's happening in your bread dough the gas is getting released and trapped because the dough is so sticky it just traps the gas bubbles inside the dough and it grows and stretches and rises now we tend to buy yeast in this a very, very pleasant form, which is dried tiny little bits in a jar. But in the day when Jesus was writing this, it didn't come that way. They didn't have, like, dry yeast. What they had instead was more like a sourdough starter. So that's like a jar. You have a jar, a bowl of the sticky mess, this little blob of bubbling, growing, slimy yeast and you feed it a little bit of flour every couple of days so that it stays alive it keeps eating that flour and staying alive and then when you're going to leaven the bread you just scoop out a handful of the bubbling yeast and you mix it in with all the flour that's how it works and then it the starter grows back over the course of the next week the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. So what did yeast mean to the people who were listening to this story? How's it going down there, you guys? Is it good? It's not sticking. Did you put two cups of water in? Oh. And... Oh. That's all right. Okay, you can always add a little bit more water. I don't know if that'll what that'll do, but probably nothing bad. <coughs> okay, that's good. What did yeast mean? What was the significance of yeast to the people who were listening? Well, one of the defining stories of the Jewish people is this event in history that's called the Passover. And the Passover was this moment where God freed all of his people from slavery to the Egyptians. And all of a sudden, the Egyptian pharaoh was like, let them go. And they had to go. And that happened very suddenly, and it happened in the middle of the night. And so they didn't have a lot of warning. And the women who were getting ready for the journey and making bread and food to take with them, they didn't have time to let their yeast rise. 
Let their bread dough rise. Because here, I mean, I chose like a 30-minute bread dough recipe, but it's not always like that. Normally, you let bread rise for 10 or 12 or 14 hours. That's a long time. And they didn't have that long. And so instead, they just left the yeast out, and they made the bread with everything else, and they ate flat bread or unleavened bread on the journey instead. And so because that was such a significant time when God freed all of his people, unleavened bread takes on a very special significance for the Jewish people. And we hear lots of things about how great it is to have unleavened bread, which means that sometimes we can start to associate yeast or leaven with something bad or evil. Like Jesus even tells his followers, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Watch out for the leaven of Herod. And that's about something different. In that case, it's about the skepticism of the Pharisees. Like they are so skeptical of who he is. They can't believe that he's actually doing the things that they see him doing around him. And Herod is a very strange story. Herod is a ruler and he gets quite intoxicated at his birthday party and he makes a promise in front of all of his guests that he should not have made it's a very unwise promise to give this young girl whatever she wants well what she wants is the head of john the baptist and so he ends up having this man who he respects and cares about beheaded because he doesn't want to lose face in front of his friends So when Jesus says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, beware of the leaven of Herod, he's saying, don't let that skepticism, don't let that fear of peer pressure move through you and get a hold of you. That is definitely a story we should look at more on another day. Um, But the truth is that most of the time, Jewish women would leaven their bread because it tastes way better that way. (laughs) And... Choosing to use yeast with all of those other slightly negative connotations, it had the same effect in Jesus' story that the mustard seed did last week. Remember we talked about a mustard seed is kind of like a dandelion going into a beautifully manicured yard? Ooh, we don't like the idea of that, right? It feels jarring. This is the same. It has that same effect. Jesus is choosing a normal, an everyday thing to use in his parable. But it's slightly controversial, and it makes everybody slightly uncomfortable to hear it. And perhaps that makes the story just a little bit jarring, a little bit strange, so that all of the people sit up and pay attention to it. All right, how's everybody doing down here? Oh, they're kneading. It's getting smooth. Beautiful. Good job. And then when you're done, you can just leave it here to rise. Jessica is a professional. And Aaron is watching very carefully. (laughs) Make sure she has it right. Exactly. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. How much is three measures? I did some research, and it turns out that three measures 
is very, very unclear. <laughs> Nobody really quite knows. Um, but here's, so, some people say, oh, it's like between 22 liters and 39 liters. That's a giant discrepancy, right? That's huge. One source says 60 pounds. That's so great. Hunter, if it's going to rise, then you can take a break. Amazing. Thank you. Well done, everybody. That was great. Okay. Yeah, good job. Here's the thing. This bag of flour right here is five kilograms, which is about 10 pounds. And one of our best guesses about three measures is 60 pounds of flour. So we're talking about 10, nope, six. Oh, I'm sorry. We're talking about six of these bags. So let's try to picture a bowl or a trough big enough for, for six of these bags to be poured in. And then this one woman is going to knead yeast through 60 pounds of flour. It's a huge amount of flour, right? These guys were trading back and forth, and they only put in five cups. It's really different. Um, likely, it was close to the maximum amount of bread that it was like possible for one woman to make at one time. You know, that was the biggest batch of bread that she could make. And some people say it would feed about 100 people. I wonder how long it took to mix that much dough. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. What does leavened mean? It just means that the dough is ready now, right? It has risen. Like this dough that's sitting in these bowls is going to slowly rise. It'll come up to the top. You'll be able to see it. And that's when it's leavened. It's the final state of the dough. Once the yeast fungus has eaten its way through everything, making gas as it goes everywhere and puffing the dough all up. Here's what's so interesting. Do you think that somebody could come up here and dig through the dough and find me a piece of yeast? Or even a piece of sugar. Like sugar has a very distinct shape, right? It's kind of sharp. Maybe we could dig that back out. But you can't, obviously, can you? I mean, I know it sounds like such a crazy question, but here's the thing. As the yeast is digesting the sugar and making carbon dioxide and alcohol, which, don't worry, it burns off in the oven, um, it is actually changing the molecular structure of the ingredients that we put into the bowl. Now, I did not take chemistry. But I did look very intently at the chemical equations uh, for the process of yeast converting sugar into carbon dioxide and alcohol. And it's really different. Like the little drawings, you know, of the little a tiny molecule with a little stick attached to another molecule. That's what I know about chemistry. Um, it's different when you look at the molecular makeup of sugar and then there's yeast in the middle, and then you have two different things, the molecular makeup of carbon dioxide and the molecular makeup of ethanol. Really different. It's an entirely new substance afterwards. What's in these bowls now is chemically different. It's different at the molecular level than what we put in like 20 minutes ago. Isn't that interesting? It's so weird. 
And it's that different because of yeast. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. The kingdom of heaven is like a weird, hungry little fungus. That's right. That you mix into the ingredients of our everyday, ordinary lives. And as you work it, it changes and it grows and it eats its way through until the whole person, the whole life, the whole community, the whole world is changed. Usually this parable is told right alongside the parable of the mustard seed, which we heard last week, and you can get on the podcast if you want it. There are lots of parallels between those, right? They're both slightly unusual and jarring images to use for the kingdom of heaven. They're both really, really small things. And they both have this effect that is way out of proportion to their size. But there is a difference. The mustard seed is about growth. Now, extensive, exponential, unimaginable growth, absolutely. But ultimately, it was a mustard seed at the beginning. It's a mustard tree at the end of the story, right? It stays the same. The yeast, on the other hand, is about transformation. A complete and utter change at the very foundation of our makeup. That's what yeast does to bread dough. That's what the kingdom of heaven does to us. The kingdom of heaven comes in these small ways. And over the course of our whole lives, we work it in or God works it in in us. I'm not sure which way that goes. Probably both ways. And it transforms everything about who we are. And some of you are just exploring Jesus. You haven't made any decisions yet. That's okay. And some of you have been Christians for so long, you can't really remember what you used to be like before. That's okay, too. The question is, how is it changing you? Transformation is constant in our lives. And it doesn't have to be this crazy, fast, night and day kind of change. Right? Sometimes it is. We have quick-rise yeast for pizza dough. But sometimes it's not fast. Sometimes it's the years-long process of quieting anxiety as we learn how to trust God. Or this slow massaging of the hard places in our hearts that makes them tender again. So that we find one day that we are moved, even moved to tears, by beauty and by pain. It might be that curiosity is growing in you. It might be that confidence is being rebuilt. It might be that you find yourself becoming patient in moments that you know you would have exploded a few years ago. Or that you're developing the capacity to forgive. That takes a long time. It might be that you're becoming courageous. That you are now willing to stand up for issues of injustice or oppression. 
It might be that you are growing stronger in who you are, or kinder, or more generous. While we're talking about transformation, I'm going to invite the dream team to come and start transforming our table here. Um, The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. What a beautiful image that Jesus is speaking here. And I wonder if, from that day on, the women who heard it would meditate on the work of the kingdom in their lives every time they were making bread dough. Right? Imagine coming to the table to knead bread dough after hearing this story. Would they consider how the word of God and the kingdom of heaven was being worked all the way through their very souls while they went about their daily chores? The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. All of the flour and the water and the oil and the sugar and the yeast is becoming something new. Well, the very essence of Christianity is transformation. That's what it is always about. We are transformed from lost to found, from blind to seeing, from a dead body into a living, breathing, dancing, laughing, loving human being. And in fact, that transformation And the work that Jesus did on the cross to make it possible, that is what we celebrate when we come to the communion table together. The sacrament of communion started out as this private meal between Jesus and his very good friends. And you know what? Someone's wife or mother or auntie They made the bread for that meal. They mixed the yeast in together. And then Jesus, knowing that he was about to be killed, asked his friends, would you remember me by doing this? To remember him and his kingdom whenever they ate bread and drank wine together. It was a really normal thing to do. And for a long time, when it wasn't safe to be a Christian, this meal was practiced in secret. And one believer would hand the bread to another believer, passing them the cup of wine, handing them the bread to remember Jesus who was crucified. And people still do that today. When we receive the bread, we believe that we are somehow receiving more than just bread, don't we? We are in some mysterious way taking into ourselves 
the very person, the very essence of Jesus. And we are letting it transform us like yeast. And so we are going to receive communion together this morning. And we're going to do it a little differently than we normally do. I'm going to invite you to come up to this big table that's set. And I want you to come with your friends, with your family, with the people who are sitting next to you in the pews. There's not going to be an official, there won't be official servers this morning. And instead, I want you to serve one another. And we're going to try this for two reasons. First, because it's how the early church would have practiced, serving each other as brothers and sisters. And second, because I want us to remember this action throughout the days and the weeks that are coming when we serve each other food. I want us to remember that the kingdom of heaven is at work in each of us, that it's changing us and transforming us like yeast and dough, and that we can be part of of that work in one another. So, all right. I know that everybody is getting a little bit nervous. Practically speaking, how is this going to work? Here's what's going to happen. I would like you to come up to the table using the side aisles, and you can come up here with the, with the people that you're with. And when you get here, we're still going to practice intinction, which is our normal method, so you can Use the hand sanitizer on the way up. Come up to the table. And intinction just means that you take the bread and you dip it in the wine, and then you consume it. And it's juice, not wine. My mistake. Um, So you can take the bread and offer it to the person that you came with. And if you're comfortable, I would invite you to say, this is the body of Christ that's broken for you. And then you can hold the cup for them and say, this is the blood of Christ that is shed for you. And then they have to chew for a minute. And then they might turn and serve you. There might be a group of four or five of you. You can serve each other. You can serve more than one person. That's okay. That's all fine. When you're finished, you can return to your seat using the center aisle. And it will be a little bit more chaotic up here than it normally is during communion. But I think it will also be meaningful for us. So before we come to the table together, let's prepare our hearts uh, by saying the communion liturgy. I'm going to lead us in this liturgy. It is now our sacred privilege to celebrate the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. All who humbly put their trust in Christ and desire his health, that they may lead a holy life, all who are truly sorry, for their sins, and would be delivered from them all, all who would walk in love with their neighbors and intend to live a new life, following the commandments of God, walking from now on in his holy ways, are invited to draw near with faith and receive this holy sacrament. And so as we come to the table, would you stand and we'll say this confession together. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We've not loved our neighbors as ourselves. 
We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways, to the glory of your name. Amen. Friends, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness. May Almighty God have mercy on us. Forgive us all our sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. Now let's confess our faith together in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Hear the words of our Lord Jesus Christ as they're delivered by the Apostle Paul. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is given for you. And then he took the cup of wine and he said, this is the cup of my blood in the new covenant. Do this in remembrance of me. Every time we eat this bread and drink this cup, we are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's pray. Father, would you bless this meal that we're going to take together? Would you give us the gift of knowing your spirit among us, of serving one another as brothers and sisters? We thank you, Jesus, for what you did and for who you are and for how your kingdom is at work in us. Amen. I'm going to say one more invitation, and then you're welcome to come down through the sides. I do want to let you know that the bread in the middle is gluten-free if you want that. Friends, come to this sacred table not because you must, 
but because you may. Come to testify not that you are righteous, but that you sincerely love our Lord Jesus Christ and desire to be his true disciples. Come not because you're strong, but because you're weak. Not because you have any claim on the grace of God, but because in your frailty and sin, you stand in constant need of God's mercy and help. Come not to express an opinion, but to seek God's presence and pray for the Spirit. Worship team's going to come, and this table is open. You are welcome to come and receive.